Well, hello, hello. Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast, a show dedicated to uncovering health truths for your body, mind, and soul. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren, former TV news journalist, gone health detective, and functional medicine expert by way of my own 25 plus years of clinical and personal experience in solving health mysteries in order to help people just like you take their health back into their own hands. On this show, we're all about quieting the noise in the health, food, and wellness world. And you'll eavesdrop on real talk topics and conversations with both myself and a variety of interesting guests who are all health detectives in their own unique way. Like today's guest, Dr. Joe Mather. He's the medical director over at the Ruzio Institute for Functional Medicine, a practice that is actually based here in Austin, but works with patients worldwide to help them solve their own health mysteries and take their health back into their own hands with very simple yet effective and game-changing approaches helping cut and quiet the noise in the functional medicine space, which is what we're talking all about today. The wild, wild west of treatment, especially within holistic health. And if you are one that has felt like you're doing all the things and whether it's taking all the supplements, trying a variety of different diets, you're already working out, you're healthy, but you're still not feeling better, you're going to want to listen up to this episode. Me and Dr. Joe jump all into the topic of overtreatment with supplements and foods and why patients don't get better with this approach. And we also talk about triple probiotic therapy, an innovative approach that the Ruzio Institute has spearheaded most recently for treating things like SIBO and mold and a variety of other conditions where probiotics can be really effective gut-loving approaches to taking your health back into your own hands. So you are not going to want to miss today's episode. It is power packed. And if you're liking the show, please don't hesitate to leave a review. I absolutely love hearing from you. And it helps us get the word out to other health detectives just like you. And if you need anything whatsoever, you have a podcast idea or you need help taking your own health back into your own hands, you can find me over at my website, drlauren.com. That's D-R-L-A-U-R-Y-N.com. Absolutely love hearing from you over there. All right. Without further ado, let's get to the show. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Health Detective Podcast. And Dr. Joe Mather is in the house. So excited to have you here, Dr. Joe. And I know you are doing some beautiful work over there at the Ruzio Institute and in your own practice as well. Our, Former practice, you may be fully on. I'm, I'm fully, now. I'm fully in Rusho land these days. That is awesome. Well, tell our listeners a little bit about the work that you are doing in the world and kind of what got you into this expertise as well. I'm the medical director of the Rusho Institute for Functional Medicine, where we try to bring a simple, down-to-earth, practical model of functional medicine to patients an effort to try to combat what we see is just the excesses of the field, way too much testing, way too much supplementation, and simply asking the question, what does this patient need? And what's the easiest way to make that happen? Yeah, I love the simplicity. And it's just a breath of fresh air. We were kind of talking before the show actually got on about just how over-treatment is very trendy right now. It is. Throwing a bunch of fancy supplements, whatever the condition is, as well as um, like all sorts of diets that are tended to be therapeutic in nature that maybe even go on for a little too long. They're not meant to be sustainable, but people sustain them somehow. I don't think doctors are taught, particularly in Institute of Functional Medicine and some of the more standardized, I think they have the idea that once the right diet has been picked out, that it's 
that way forever. I don't think doctors are going ahead and saying, we're going to do the FODMAP diet for three months. And then when your gut is better, we're going to take you off of it. I don't think people are saying this. (laughs) It needs to happen. I don't think so either because I see so much confusion in a lot of the patients that I get to opportunity to work with. And I just don't know what to do. They're doing all the diets and then they just kind of are switching from maybe one to the other. Like maybe I'll go keto this month, carnivore next month and et cetera. But would love to know just aside from perhaps not the education from a doctor perspective, there is a lot of like even just Dr. Google kind of treatments that come in. Yeah. But like what is missing in an approach or like what would be an appropriate approach for kind of any imbalance one is experiencing, whether it's hormone related, gut related, et cetera, to kind of like how we as practitioners, functional medicine practitioners should be thinking and also patients as well for treatment. The best way I can answer that is there is no one approach because everyone is slightly different. The unifying principle, however, is do one thing at a time with your patients and then listen to their body's response. If they start improving, you're on the right track. And it shouldn't be a mystery. You shouldn't be dumping a treatment into them and then, hey, you got better, right? You got better. Yeah, maybe. And they're like, "Uh, I think maybe sort of. And you're like, okay, great. They're better. No, no, no. When they're better, they're like, Dr. Joe, I started this diet. And within a week, the bloating was gone by 50%. My stools are more regular. I'm not all the way better, but oh my gosh, I am feeling definitely better. You're looking for that kind of response. And it doesn't matter if it's a diet, it's an exercise, if it's a supplement, a medication, you're looking for a big change. And so doctors need to stop getting stuck in the lab tests and the theories of genetic testing or small levels of compounds in the gut. They need to just listen to their patients. I agree. I think as I've actually been in this field for almost 10 years now, my testing has become lessened. Like I really will only run testing to help patients become more intuitive with their bodies. Aside from blood work, I do like to see blood work, but a lot of the functional testing I have found just there in the type of patients that I see, there's a lot of themes and the symptoms that tell me a lot about what's going on from a mechanisms perspective, where we can start kind of addressing some of those underlying mechanisms for the body. So for example, I see a lot of SIBO. SIBO can sometimes be more of a symptom than an actual thing or the root cause rather. So is there mold, for example, in the environment or is there a gallbladder dysfunction going on where they're not creating enough enzymes and breakdown and kind of like mechanistically? I would love to know from your perspective, what does testing look like and how can that be beneficial and what would be an approach a patient could expect? The majority of my patients get zero tests. The exception will be if they're very sick, I will often do a real-time lab urine mycotoxin test if I really think they have mold to confirm because that would change treatment. But even SIBO breath testing, which I think is the most validated of the functional medicine tests, I don't find I need anymore. And often it's just a waste of time. They're, I think, 350 bucks somewhere around there. It takes a few weeks to do. They suck to do. And if you have SIBO, you're going to feel worse when you drink a big glass of glucose. (laughs) You feel worse. And uh, I just don't find it's needed worth the cost. And I don't like making my patients have diarrhea and feel bloated and hate me for a day. So I feel like the actual (laughs) test for SIBO is the test. It's like enough to see how the person responds and everything. After I ran about a dozen and it's like every single positive case, they're like, Mather, what did you do to me? That stuff was awful. Yeah. I was like, okay, you're going to have SIBO. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> check, check. Yeah, exactly. 
then foundational approach as well. Something that I do also find is people that are doing all the things, a lot of patients that have been trying these different diets or a lot of different supplements are still missing some of the foundation. So for example, like hydration, sleep, or even within a diet perspective, variety and and a fiber of vegetables, even for those that are eating healthy, I see (laughs) lacking in most diets and would love to know what you see. I do exactly the same thing. At the Ruscio Institute, we are very meticulous about looking at what has been missed and case after case, the foundations haven't been put into place. And so I think practitioners like you and I are able to get a good degree of success because we're not overlooking that. It's important when a doctor is going really into the weeds on genetic testing, as an example, and they're talking about all your SNPs and you're a COMT, blah, 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 MTHFR. There's only so much time in a visit, no matter how long they are. And if you spend the whole time talking about things that really do not matter clinically, then you're wasting your patient's time because they're not hearing, John, you're working nine hours every single day, not exercising, you're not moving, you're stressed out, your diet is horrible. It doesn't matter how much B vitamins I pump into you. If you don't fix these fundamentals, you're going nowhere. And some patients need to hear that. I'm usually nicer than that, but this is a podcast, so we can be. (laughs) Yeah, a little edgy. Well, I I was sharing with you the story of a patient who came to me struggling with mold, Lyme for almost 10 years and has just bounced from doctor to doctor and had stretches and seasons, mostly feeling better when he's just not exposed to an environment, but still not feeling optimal or super strong in his health. And it's just every time he's kind of ventured down the rabbit hole of going to a new practitioner, a new approach it's usually a detox he's put on, like just overtly hear the word mold or lime. And it's like, oh, you instantly need a lot of, whether it's binders, antifungals, et cetera. So his body's yeah. continued to be kind of like just crushed. And I can only imagine what his gut microbiome looks like just from that continuous treatment over the past 10 years. And most recently was exposed for just 12 days, felt knocked down, but was instantly put on a 90 day detox protocol again. And he came to me just as a one-off consult to ask, what's a different approach? And I do a lot more like, I call it gut love versus gut hate approach. Just like, let's build up your good gut bug army is what I talk about from an immune perspective. And it was just different for him to hear that. But that's just long-term example of what some of these eliminations and just continuation of treatment and over-treatment. I think you're doing that exactly correct. That the gut love approach. I think that's so important. I think a lot of functional medicine doctors are recovering allopathic medical doctors. And in medical school, we are taught every single antibiotic for every single drug. And so I think deep down inside, there's this thinking that you have to just destroy (laughs) the evildoers. And many cases, the solution out is to pivot hard away from that and simply rebuild, build resiliency in the immune system, calm the stress, give them healthy diets, give them back some joy in their life. And I love those cases. They're so much fun because the patient then is like, man, I've been going at it the wrong way for five years. I've gotten nowhere. And then as soon as they just pivot slightly, they start to respond. And it's really fun. Yeah. It's fun for us. And it's fun for them too. It's just a different approach. And yeah, that kind of like segues me thinking gut love into the triple probiotic therapy approach that I think is really just awesome that you guys, I feel like have kind of engineered that. I brought that to light a little bit over there at the Rizzo Institute and research just 
has shown that and hopefully we'll show more of it. We're working on a study <laughs> at the moment <laughs> on this topic. Yeah. Yes. Well, and if you could just explain a little bit about what that means, triple probiotic therapy approach, when I'm talking about that and then... Yeah. Yeah, what and how that actually works. My condition. So there are three main classes of probiotics. Not all probiotics are the same. Probiotics, of course, being beneficial bacteria that you can take in a supplement. They are, of course, also found in food. But when you're looking for a clinical response, you know, yogurt or kombucha is just not enough. You're just not going to get a good response for a sick patient. So we use probiotics. The most common is a combination of lactobacillus and bifidobacterium. Probably about 90% of the products on the market are in this category. If you go to Whole Foods and flip the label around, you'll see lactobifido, lactobifido, lactobifido. That's the main category. That's one pillar. The second is a yeast called Saccharomyces boulardii. And the third are a group of soil-based species, the bacilli species. And so what we found after a lot of trial and error was that one probiotic was good, but two is better than one and three is better than two. They all have slightly different mechanisms of action and they work synergistically together. And I think the moral of the story here after doing this, God, hundreds and hundreds of times with patients is that we're not smart enough to micromanage species of bacteria. So the wider variety we can give in general, the better the result. So we tend to use a lot of what we call triple therapy, all three probiotics at once. And we have a, a packet, which actually delivers all three of those in one, which is just a fantastic product. I use it myself. I love it. And when we use those, I mean, are y'all using those in conjunction with like we do herbals first and then that if you're treating SIBO, for example, or are you finding that this approach is kind of can counter like the herbals aren't even necessary sometimes? Herbals are often not needed, particularly in mild cases of mild SIBO or dysbiosis. And so almost always we're using probiotics first simply because it's strong enough that we often don't need the herbs, right? And some of the herbs can be irritating and have some adverse effects. You know, we use a lot of oil of oregano, but that's caustic to the GI lining. That can be irritating. And so if we don't have to use that, we prefer not to. And there is one misconception out there that you have an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestine. So why would you give more bacteria, right? And so the old guard would not give probiotics in cases of SIBO. We think this is completely misguided and wrong. We see probiotics alone resolving breath tests and symptoms all the time. And the reason why is that the probiotics, they're basically mostly dead by the time they reach the small intestine from the stomach acid and bile. But the little bacterial parts, little cell walls of the bacteria have antimicrobial effects. So you can actually think of probiotics as mini antibiotics or mini herbal antimicrobials as one of the mechanisms of action. I love that. Well, and I've also explained to patients like we want more colonic bacteria than we do want upper GI. Like it's good to have that bacteria. And a lot of times in SIBO, there is the dysbiosis in the colonic, or it's just like kind of like regurgitated up top, but the probiotics still could be beneficial from a colonic perspective too for populating or just helping balance out that dysbiosis. Yes. Absolutely. And the lower GI and um, binders as well. Like, do you see Saccharomyces boulardii? Sometimes I've used actually in mold protocols too, from a binding sure. perspective, but also would love to know what could one expect from a triple probiotic therapy approach? Like I've had some patients that can't do a full dose to start because it is very strong 
for some sure. and there can be some of a die-off reaction too. Yeah. So it's important when starting any therapy to just do things one at a time so you can measure your response. A die-off is typically minor GI symptoms that may last at most three days. So if we're seeing any adverse effects last more than three days, we tend to think this is more of an intolerance to the substance rather than we are actually killing off bacteria in the small back intestines and seeing an immune response. So we would stop it after three days if there were more response. Some patients, particularly mold patients, can be very sensitive. Their immune systems are over-defensive, right? So they may react to benign, helpful compounds. It's pretty common. There, there are ways to get over this. Some patients I would have start a 16th of a teaspoon of the probiotic powder and then just slowly march their way up as tolerated. We're looking for a dose that gives them no adverse reaction. And then you slowly build up just like an immunotherapy, right? Start with very low doses of injections and then work your way up. You can do the same with helpful compounds in reactive patients. Yeah, that's a great point. Go low and slow. Go low and slow. And then prebiotics, do y'all incorporate those? I don't really, almost never. Because early on, most of my patients react to extra fiber, which is why so often we're using low fiber diets. I can't remember the last time I used a prebiotic, Lauren. Yeah. Later on, yeah. So when we've done a therapeutic diet, we've cleaned out their gut and they're now tolerating the foods they were previously reacting to, then I want to add more fiber. Absolutely. But man, I'm not a big fan of prebiotics. It's so interesting because I, there was a very long time and no, you had a mold journey. I did as well. So I was eating like five to 10 foods, not much of variety, not many yeah. prebiotics. And I would say probiotics and then prebiotics are actually what were a huge game changer after I did my limbic system retraining. Yeah. I needed that limbic work <laughs> <Yes>. as well. <laughs> but prebiotics are actually what helped me gain about 15 needed pounds back and, um, and just help those probiotics stick with like a high dose probiotic approach. But it was much further into the journey, but it was part of rebuilding the gut. So I guess every patient being different. Now, I do think with the prebiotics, I tend to use more soluble fibers like psyllium husk or flax or pectin or hydrogorgum. <laughs> Can we talk about binders and fiber? I would love we've, that. <laughs> we've kind of like circled around a little bit. Yeah. One of the most favorite things I've learned in the past six months is that lots of probiotics act as binders for mold toxins and other substances. So we know Saccharomyces boulardii, I learned from Dr. Neil Nathan, was that Saccharomyces will bind a toxin called gliotoxin. And I did some digging and I found out it's actually the cell wall of the Saccharomyces that has particular sugar and protein combinations that can bind to toxins. I did more digging and it turns out that about half of the species of lactobacillus that are available in probiotics are also binders. Yeah, I, I see the same thing. Which makes me wonder if there's just a lot that probiotics are doing that in terms of binding toxins, that is one of the reasons why we see them really helpful. I think that's been under the radar to some degree. Yeah. Oh, I would say... A hundred percent. There's not a lot of toxin research out there anyways, or people looking into mold specifically, but that's cool that you've noticed that too. And that's something that I see quite missing in that whole protocol land of like mold land is like the lack of gut love. Really just, there's a lot of avoidance. When I started adding triple probiotic therapy to my mold patients before binders, before we really went down the mold into mold land, they got better quicker. Yeah. And I was seeing better responses with mycotoxins, the fatigue would go better. And then 
later down the track, I think the early application of, of probiotics meant that I could be less aggressive with the antifungals. Yeah. That's now a pillar of how I tend to approach this. Yeah. Very cool. Do you prep the body at all before you put in the probiotics? So for example, I do a lot of immune and drainage support to start, I guess, and then a spore-based probiotic before I do the lacto. I don't. I start right away with probiotics. They're usually well-tolerated even with patients with mast cell or limbic imbalances. And so I jump right to probiotics. I use it as a test as well. So if someone does react to something as helpful and benign as probiotics early on, then that's a big red flag that I'm missing a limbic imbalance or mast cell disorder. And so then I would pivot to that resiliency building and calming the immune system before giving them more therapies, right? But if they take the probiotics, great, then that's a little signal to me that I might be able to move a bit faster. Yeah, very cool. Is there any other helpful supplemental supports that you have found? So butyrate, I feel like is like the new thing nowadays, like tributyrate, butyrate. <laughs> and I don't know if I've seen much benefit either way. Like maybe there is some calming of inflammation through it. It's expensive. It tastes horrible. Patients don't like it. And there's not enough research to make me try this out at this stage. I hate things that are just, you know, a company says this is great because of XYZ, but then they don't show you a clinical trial where it's actually helping. And so butyrate, my bias is against it. I'm sure there are patients that need it. But again, if you're asking people to suck down huge amounts of butyrate three times a day, guess what they're not doing, right? They're not taking your probiotics. They're not taking the binders. They're not doing the Gupta program. They're not doing the things I know makes them better. So at this point, I really just have very little patience for things that sound flashy or good. And I really just want to help guide people to the things I've seen work because I just want them better. 100%. Well, I will say of things that I've seen work lately, aside from probiotics and talking gut love, like sea moss and just like minerals. Sea moss, it's an algae, but it's got almost all 102 minerals that our body needs. I think there's like 94 out of 102 And it's a gel you can just take by the spoon or there are capsules. I tend to prefer if it can be in a food form or like a liposomal or liquid. feel like that's more absorbable or powder like your probiotics. So when would you using this? At the beginning. I mean, just really as a general overall health protocol to like flood the body with minerals that are just going to help cells absorb nutrients and water from the food that they're eating as well as just benefit. I think systemically inflammation-wise, I've seen it really beneficial. It's got a very soothing effect on the GI. And so that's been, I guess, like one interesting, cool find lately. And I personally get mine at the farmer's market. And most cities will have like people that are producing it. And you can also buy it online. That's new to me. I'll have to keep my eyes open for that. That's interesting. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah. I don't know if there's any other things that you find are foundational aside from a probiotic for general overall, like I feel like the triple probiotic therapy can benefit a lot of different things. Triple therapy is probably the thing that the vast majority of my patients need and get early on. Foundationally, sleep. I see a lot of sleep apnea that's missed. And the other is what we call in the medical field, sarcopenia, just a lack of muscle. And my colleague and friend, Dr. Jeff Moss, initially clued me into this. He calls muscle the forgotten organ. We all talk about liver and kidney and thyroid and adrenal health and gut health, but no one talks about muscle. And I see 
tremendous responses with patients, even putting on one pound of muscle, literally one pound of muscle. It might be that they're doing some slight resistance training once or twice a week. This has made a big difference in people's resiliency, cognitive function, sleep. So I see a lot of carryover effects with simply harassing my patients to <laughs> do some strength training. There's any case study that sticks out to you of maybe a patient that was over treatment, came to you with some like history of that, or maybe even doing their own darts in the dark, kind of shooting darts in the dark? I have one. <laughs> There's one. I was in clinic yesterday, guys. So I'm the medical director. And so three days a week, I'm teaching and growing our business and putting on kind of the executive hat. Two days a week, I am seeing patients in clinic. And I had a patient yesterday. I took a screenshot of this supplement list he came in with. And it's on my desktop. It was annoying me so much. It's just here as a reminder. He was on eight different supplements for toxicity, a bunch of amino acids, SAMI, glutaric acid, charcoal, a GI detox, so some binders. He was on nine different supplements for antimicrobials, different combinations. He was on six different types of acid digestive enzymes. He was on seven different types of probiotic, five neurotransmitters, three brain health, two mineral supplements, and a partridge in a pear tree. Oh my gosh. This poor guy has been treated from, I think, really poorly by a naturopath. And he was on over 40 different supplements. And that's just the number of supplements. So if you figure there's three each per supplement, he's probably taking over 75 supplements a day and he's a mess. His gut is destroyed. He's reactive to everything. His diet has gotten down to about four foods. He's no longer tolerating protein. His cognition was a mess and he was anxious, depressed, fatigued. And I just couldn't help but think that this was the fault of treating practitioner more than this patient being ill. He had done IV chelation, IV glutathione, IV vitamin C, a few injection therapies that I wasn't even familiar with, on and on and on and on. And this has been over for over a decade. My heart just broke. And you know, as I was putting together his treatment plan, my treatment was this man needed to stop absolutely everything and take a break from alternative medicine. He, he had really been harmed. And so he's going to start the Gupta program right away. That is if he doesn't run screaming from my medical care. But he needs to stop absolutely everything, start the Gupta program, and really reset for a month before I think we can go anywhere with him. It's heartbreaking. You think how much money people have spent chasing these dead ends. If I don't get my neurotransmitters right with these amino acids, and if I don't support my broken SNPs with these supplements, it's devastating, right? Yeah. yeah. It's just uh, the wild west out there. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like your podcast is so amazing that we're trying to dispel the noise. And this is the problem I just see getting worse and worse and worse is the misunderstanding or this idea that if we can just get the right supplement mix in, we can micromanage these minuscule biochemical pathways. It's just not possible. It's arrogance or hubris to think that we can micromanage methylation pathways or that we can really change how the body produces neurotransmitters doesn't work like that people well save your money and go hire lauren <laughs> because oh, and you guys uh, she gets it yeah yeah well it'll be crazy even five ten years from now just i mean we'll look back at what we were doing like as far as from like 
the gut testing, it's just going to yeah. be so archaic or whatever is the current trendy thing right now. And the foundations have never, ever, they've never gone out of style. They will never go out of style. And so cool. uh, so absolutely. Those. Yeah. Well, Dr. Joe, where can people find out more about just all the work you guys are doing in the world? We take patients from around the world. We've got patients in all 49 states. We're sorry, New York, but your state legislature doesn't let patients do remote care. Yeah. So wherever you are, if you'd like a consult, we're here. It's the Rusho Institute.com, R-U-S-C-I-O Institute.com. And uh, you can find me and my colleagues there. And holy cow, Michael Ruscio has a fantastic podcast and a big social media presence. So lots of educational stuff there for people who are interested in our approach. Very much. A lot of quieting the noise as well over there. Try. <laughs> and Dr. Joe, just a personal question. I would love to know, sure. what is the health mystery you've uncovered or solved lately in your own life? This is usually updated week by week. I had been made very, very sick by mold and gotten almost all the way better. And recently learned that even treatments like amphotericin B and itraconazole, antifungal medications, which really, really helped me a few months ago, just became way, way too much. And I don't know why, but all of a sudden having a hard time handling those treatments. And so I did exactly what I'm going to tell that client to do. And I stopped absolutely everything. Time for a reset. And so I think it's really important, whether it's a diet or a supplement or a drug, just because something was working before doesn't mean it will always work the same moving forward. So don't be afraid to make a change and pivot and listen to your body first and foremost. Very well so. said. And do as I say, and as I do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, metformin the same way. I take a drug called metformin for my fasting blood sugar, and it just started giving me GI upset. And so it's gone. I love the medicine, but you know what? It's just not worth it if it's not reacting well with me. Yeah. The body is really smart too. So listen. I am assuming that my body is smarter than me in these things. Yeah. And so <laughs> I need to listen to it. Definitely. Yep. Well, well, thanks so much for coming on and we'll definitely be keeping up with your work. Fantastic. Nice to talk to you again today. Well, that's it for today's episode. If you're liking the show, please don't hesitate to leave a review in your podcast app. I absolutely love hearing from you and it helps us get the word out to other health detectives just like you. And if you need anything, don't hesitate to reach out as well on my website, drlauren.com. Until next time, go out there and quiet the noise in the health, food, and wellness world. Mm-hmm.